there is a capacity to really have like a genuine conversation with a piece of work, right? A different conversation than I could have with a person. I think sometimes if I'm face to face with someone and I start trying to talk about commodification of race, there's less of an inclination to just like have a talk, like an open, open honest talk. But I think if you look at artwork, if you're looking at a piece, you can actually be open to it. And welcome to AI, also known as Arts In, the podcast produced by Creative Pinellas. I'm Barbara St. Clair, your host, and I am here with Jake Troyley, who is a painter and was an emerging artist grantee for Creative Pinellas. I think here in Pinellas County, the emerging artists are sort of the, the, the real volcanic engine of mm -hmm. what's going on here. Thank you. So I'm a representational painter, and I'm an oil painter. And oil painting, of course, has a very grand history when you think masterful paintings, you usually think oil, right? So within my work, I was really thinking about myself in the context of the oil painting tradition. I was thinking about myself in the context of the work and where I belong, right? Or where I fit in. I had these really big, like disco fever style afros. They were like breaking the plane of the paintings. Thinking about not being able to fit into the physical boundaries of the painting, but also not fitting into the context of the history of painting at the same time. And I like to do stuff like that. Like I like to sort of layer meaning and layer some of the things that I'm thinking about in the work. Some of them are sort of head and shoulder. Right. Um, some of them are full body. One of them, you're on a boat? Yes. The, the starting point for that piece was Washington crossing the Delaware. So I, I painted myself in this very heroic sort of like forward looking, forward moving painting. But one of the things I did was remove everyone else, right? So there's no crew. It's just, it's just me sort of on this boat. And I started to play in that painting with like ideas of prop. So the background, there are these clouds that are sort of, they look like cardboard cutouts almost mm -hmm. that are just hanging. Mm -hmm. And they're, there's like a, they're casting a shadow on what should be the sky, right? So I'm thinking like this community theater sort of like this facade or like this mm -hmm. idea of something, right? So mm -hmm. even though I'm like moving triumphantly into this, this sort of future, right? It, it, it's this fabricated, self-made idea of progress. Yeah, and that's one of those pieces. That that piece was 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 a good one. It actually started. That piece made me really start to think about this idea of like a backdrop, mm -hmm. or or like prop, and how artificial things can become real or we make them real right so we sort of construct these ideas and these environments for ourselves and actually that started a like a lot of new thinking and that's what happens with my work a lot i'll be working through series and like certain pieces will just really click mm -hmm. and then i'll just take this new direction from them Facial expression is really important. I, I think in the in the in the history of oil painting and portrait painting, especially, there's so much subtlety in the face and in the expression that I started to really think about that. Like the prayer piece, mm -hmm. I'm like mm -hmm. praying, and I have this bird in my hair, and there's like this goofy sort of like forced smile, like this almost like just stuck in this moment. And and, and I think that's one of the things that I think about. I want it to feel a little bit forced. I want it to feel a little bit like self-critical or, or just like like not really believing itself right right and and that's one of the things that that obviously I, I was trying to echo with that work but the facial expression I thought was was where it became most successful I, I think too I mean when you think about portrait painting a smile or a gesture like that makes it really contemporary because in the classic 
tradition, you know, they weren't smiling. They couldn't, no. you know. Right. Usually it was just long sessions of sitting, so it was just a sort of expressionless face. So doing that, I think, makes it more contemporary too, which, which is really important. It's one of the things that I strive for. And it's hard when you're looking at old painters and old paintings like that. You just want to make sure that you balance and stay contemporary and relevant, you know. If you, I think if you're painting in this, like, old fashions in earnest, then it kind of becomes a little bit stale. This is something I've been really thinking about, is taking my agency as a painter, right? Just really allowing myself to create a, a reality, right? In this illusionistic space, because I mean, it's totally mine to dictate. I mean, with painting, it's just, it's developing a language. And one thing that I do know that's really important, especially for my work, is my usage of humor. I, I think that humor, for me, is important, one, because it is a coping mechanism. Two, I think it's a language that people speak and understand, but three, I think it allows for a, a window of accessibility that, that's really interesting to me. I want people to be able to access the work in very different ways, right? I, I just want there to be a way in to have the conversations that I think are more important. And sometimes I think that we're a little bit resistant to having or can be or not ready to have. And then that humor might soften the blow or bring mm -hmm. us in or allow us to have a conversation in a different way than we expected. So what conversations are the self-portraits? I would say self-awareness, right? My work talks a lot about race and the commodification of race, the commodification of culture, the commodification of outrage and our bodies and things like that. So with that series specifically, I really started to think about my place as a person of color in paintings, especially paintings that were referencing this classical tradition in mm -hmm. which I wouldn't typically be represented. And I also started to deal with my ethnicity, right? I'm biracial. And one of the things that I started to do in that work with those big afros, right? Like, So being a biracial person, when I was growing up, I used to always like really want to be assigned one binary group, like white or black, right? There's like this, because I was in this in-between, so I started to like dream of being white or being black. And yeah. as I- Do you mean literally dream? Yeah, I used to actually dream about it when I was younger. And as I grow up, one of the things that I do in my work is I look back retrospectively at like the things that I've experienced, because I think there's a lot of information to mine from that. So in that work, I wanted to give myself these huge disco fever afros and like make myself blacker, right? Like, how do you do that? Kerry James Marshall is my favorite artist, and one of the things he does with his paintings is he makes his figures in what he says, in quotes, unapologetically black, right? And I'm really interested in that. So if you're gonna if you're gonna put the figure in there and you're thinking about representation, then you gotta like hammer it, right? With the self-portrait series, I think that this was like the beginning of me really exploring these concepts. So let's talk about commodification of race. Mm -hmm. So when I say commodification of race, what I mean is when ideas of what race is or what culture is are almost manufactured and mm -hmm. sold mm -hmm. to us, given to us, right? When we're projected with images or ideas of who or what we are. And that goes for everybody, right? When we have these ideas projected, what does that mean? What does that mean for these ideas of self to be taught to us mm -hmm. by someone who's not us? One of my pieces, big, it's like, Six feet tall, eight feet long, yeah. And it's called Everything Must Go, Maybe Even You. Mm -hmm. And it's all these figures, and they're like little, they're little self-portraits, and they're in this giant, it's a shopping mall slash museum slash gift shop. Like, they're, they're just moving through this space and looking at things like paintings by Kerry James Marshall, paintings by Dana Schutz. Do you, if you know Dana Schutz, was, she did the Emmett Till painting that was at the Whitney Biennial, and everyone was right. like really upset. 
and then they're like going through the gift shop and there's like black lives matter shirts and like things that are that have sort of become like uh like memorabilia or like things that are just like commodities commodities exactly and so that that work was the next step when i really started to think about like ideas of like colorism so I had like spectrums of skin color and like the figures are looking at them on the wall and comparing them. And that was, it was, it was huge. And actually it was like on an unstretched canvas and I was still using the self portrait because I still like to use myself as this sort of like avatar and then just re- repeated. So even, even myself is again, commodified and like sort of mass produced in this, in this giant piece. It feels as though politics have become more based on emotion and art has become really political and so things whereas it hasn't always been like that and I'm interested in, in, in having conversations that I think are important when I'm making work I just am I, I do think that there is a capacity to really have like a genuine conversation with a piece of work that a person can have right a different conversation than I could have with a person right I think sometimes if I'm face to face with someone and I start trying to talk about commodification of race it's very different like you know there's there's less of an inclination to just like have a talk like an open, open honest talk but I think if you look at artwork if you're looking at a piece you can actually be open to it and you can without feeling like you're being judged right without feeling like you're maybe making yourself out to be not the the hero of whatever it is that you're talking about you know what i'm saying because i think sometimes in these systems i think we're all a part of these systems i just think that we're all we all play a part in the way that this operates in the way that this happens and so i hope that people can find themselves in the work and see themselves in the work in some way and maybe be through like humor and through some of these windows of accessibility, be more willing and more open to engaging with it. It's like weaving this sort of a story, right, with the painting. I mean, there's there's a narrative, there's something that's being said and without tension, nothing can really actually be conveyed. And that's one of the things that's so important in painting is tension, right? Like the old masters used to create tension with light, you know, and darkness and color. And so I'm creating tension in a different way. I, and I think of it as like this tension between this real darkness and these really like horrible truths and then like this humor and like this bright color and the graphic application. Cause I, you know, I, I mean, sometimes people have called my style illustrative almost. Like it's very graphic and bold and like sharp. So I think sometimes some of those paintings can sort of read as like this graphic novel like look or like this uh, addressing things that are that are serious in a, in, a, in a different way so obviously like I look at a lot of Richard Pryor right and like some of these comedians who have, seriously yeah I mean talking about very serious things but in just such like this disarming humorous forward moving way that I find really inspirational So what are some of the things that you're thinking about? I know we've talked about some Mm -hmm. of the things that your work is doing. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking about? The conversation about identity and about race and about prepackaged self. And, you know, the way that our social networks and the way that we intake information function and what they're doing to that and how systems of division continue to be upheld and and where they are rooted and how we can get around them. But when you approach a painting, is that the question you have in your head or is it a different, more specific question? Yeah, I'm just thinking about different ways to open up these conversations, Mm -hmm. right? I think that's probably more important. So 
recently what I've been doing is like I work in collage a mm-hmm. lot. So I'm making these collage backdrops that I'm then hanging paintings on. So I'm allowing the paintings to sort of function as like punctuation in this larger scene. So I'm using things that I'm taking like directly from the media, for mm-hmm. instance. I think one of the things that really inspires me is like metaphor, right? So I think about moments that are universal but also can really relate to what I'm thinking about specifically. I think one of the most the best for me right now is this idea of the awkward handshake, right? Ah, okay. So I'm doing this whole series of paintings of awkward handshakes. Cuz I think about the awkward handshake as like first of all, we all get it and we're all I would hope kind of like embarrassed by the idea and a little bit, you know, apprehensive about it, but I think of the awkward handshake as like when you make an assumption and then you're wrong. Right. So then you try to overcompensate and then it just gets worse, right? right? And so that's what we're doing, like this awkward handshake. And so I've been Googling awkward handshake and finding the best. Like, it's so funny to find all these images. And then I'll, like, take some shots with my girlfriend. Like, I've heard, like, do, like, little things with our hands. Like, we're trying to, like, make things work. And I'm doing them all on the same format canvas, 24 by 24s. And then I'm going to make this big collaged background and hang the paintings on that. You actually grew up in a theater environment. My mom was always in the theater. So we moved down from Boston when I was nine. And she, yeah, she was working at American Stage. And so I was always around theater. And at that time, I was so bored by it. But now, looking back, it was so, so important. It was just so influential. Like, I mean, I was at Shakespeare in the Park every year for every single show, right? Mm-hmm. So it was just like, as a kid, I was like, oh my but now I can like understand Shakespeare. <laughs> I think that's great. One of the other things too was I was surrounded by a lot of artists from a very young age. I think that's important. I think it's also important for for me to see older men that were artists. I think there's like this really horrible stigma about art artistry and men, and, and I just like I never I never felt that right. Like I was just always like, oh yeah, this is totally something that 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 is reasonable for me to do at any point in time. Even though I was never like inclined to be in, like a theatrical performer you know the artistry was in a in in that environment and you know i mean because we were close with american stage they were close to like the morian arts center and you know all these it was just great i mean st pete it's st pete and it's always been awesome it's always been a great artistic community well one of the things that strikes me is that there's a performative aspect in your painting mm-hmm. right and certainly it's very theatrical mm-hmm. they have a almost they certainly have a staged quality mm-hmm. and people are characters as well yeah. as people right. no definitely um i think one of the things that i've always really been trying to get at in my work is like sort of like pulling the curtain back to see the wizard of oz the man mm-hmm. behind the machine right it's like thinking about the systems that are at play in the world and, and why they function how they function mm-hmm. and then there's definitely you know I mean, there is like this staged aspect to that. I mean, we are characters. We're, sometimes we play characters, right, you right. know? And, I, and so I think that layering that in and this sort of, especially with those like really forced, like say cheese smiles, mm-hmm. you know, when you're like posing for prom and things like that. It's mm. like these moments where you have to snap into something or like be this person or play this part. And I, and I, I do think that's interesting. And I think that's really universal. Thank you. 
I'm really interested in contrast period because I mm -hmm. think contrast is another way to create tension but these really polished paintings next to these sort of crude drawings that almost look like they're pulled right out of my sketchbook mm -hmm. right now and that contrast is interesting because I, I think that the really crude drawings feel very visceral and immediate and then that ties in with like this uh, the idea of the media and circulated idea and imagery and then these paintings are obviously labored over and very polished and very refined and bright and sort of like this uh, almost like this never-ending moment whereas the I feel like the black and white images feel like they're moving they mm -hmm. feel like they're in constant motion because there's so much energy and they're creating all these like strange and they kind of create like abstract forms in some places mm -hmm. which is you know interesting to me as a purely representational painter <laughs> like any time that that can happen without me meaning to do it is cool So you just, just defined yourself as a purely representational mm -hmm. painter. Mm -hmm. What is it about representational work that you connect with? I think it's because I, I really want to have a conversation with my work. Like I want my work to have an intent, right? There's something that I'm thinking about and I want the work to embody that or at least touch on it mm -hmm. or bring you into the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I just, for me, the best way to make that happen is through representation, through imagery that you can respond to and relate to and things that you've seen. And I think that's one of the strengths of this collage work because I'm taking images right from the source. Mm -hmm. So you've seen these things, you know the cast of Friends just as well as I do. So I think that's another way to give a window of accessibility. If someone's going to engage with you, they're going to have to accept that there's a, a strong critique mm -hmm. in your work. Yeah. Strong critique of the way we think about things, mm -hmm. the way we present things mm -hmm. to each other, mm -hmm. and some missing pieces of a story. Right. That's that's important. That's really important. The, this idea of missing pieces in the story. Yeah. It's actually one of the things that's in this new work. I had like little paintings of all the people that are on our dollar bills, essentially. And mostly it's like slave owners and white supremacists. I just think we have to sometimes look around and see the things that are just staring at us in the face. You know, just like really staring at us. And it's, and again, like it's to an extent, it's funny. It's almost absurd. Like it just, and, and so I, you know, shedding light on it, talking about it. I don't want in my work to, to feel didactic, right? right. I don't right. want to feel like this is what I'm going to teach you today because that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to like represent imagery and represent ideas in a different way that maybe can make us look at them in, in that different way. And if we look at them differently, maybe we can understand them differently. And that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, I'm just trying to reconcile with all of it too, right? I've been applying for a lot. One of the things about Creative Canalis in that application process was it really got me kind of started with like almost constantly being applying for things and opportunities, which I think is important for an artist to do. I think we always have to have like rolling applications going and mm -hmm. things that we're just shooting out. Because mm -hmm. one of my professors actually said as an artist, if you apply for 10 things and get accepted into one, you're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. So like for the most part, it's just like shooting buckshot off. Like you just need to just fire as many into the air as you possibly can. Basketball players are starting mm -hmm. to collect your work. Well, okay, so like my closest friends are all basketball players, right? Because I, you know, I, I played basketball all the way up in, until I was done with undergrad. 
And actually, I have a couple friends playing overseas, but through them, we got these really great high-level overseas players who have commissioned me to do some stuff for them. You know, like family portraits and things like that, uh, which is always really fun and um, and rewarding. And actually, there was a player who played at Tennessee who actually passed away, but he was like the best friend of one of the overseas players. So I did this like memorial portrait of him, which is always such... Uh, like memorial portraits are so rewarding, but they're also so stressful because you just can't mess those up. And so it, it, those projects are always like really impactful. I was was doing a lot of commission stuff for a while. Some some good portraits. I did some like landscapes and stuff. You know, it's always the thing about it is when you do like a commission, you're not working on your body of work, right. but what you are doing is painting. You know, and I've always thought about it like that. It's like I'm not working on my body of work, but what I am doing is actually strengthening my painting muscles, you know, in a way that I can kind of remove a lot of the thinking that I usually do and then just like work. I, I, I do think it's important to have a really strong technical background. And this is like a hotly debated issue. Oh, yeah? I, I, yeah, like some people don't believe that it's a necessity to be an artist or to be a painter. But I do. I do think that you should be able to paint technically as like as like a craftsman before you start to really experiment for a lot of different reasons. I think like just respect just for me, it's like respect for the craft. But also, I think that you can't really truly fully experiment until you have a really solid foundation, right? I mean, if you give yourself that foundation, then your experiments can be really wild and you can really try things out. So for me, it's always been important. And it's something that I, you know, I, I pride myself in that. Like, I pride myself in working to achieve, like, a really high level of technical mastery. And it's, since it's such a lofty goal, it's one that'll never be fully realized. So I'll always just, it'll always just keep me working. But, yeah, I, I, I chase that. You know, I chase this ideal of like these Rubens paintings, these huge, these masterful, beautiful, glowing oil paintings. I, I think that that dedication to the actual craft is really important for me in my sort of growth and expansion as an artist. Well, Jake, Troyley, yes. thank you so very much for joining us thank today. You. This yeah. was a really interesting conversation. I thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Barbara St. Clair, and you've been listening to Arts In, the Creative Pinellas podcast, sponsored in part by the Pinellas County Board of County Commissioners, visit St. Petersburg Clearwater, and the State of Florida Department of Cultural Affairs. Arts In is produced by Matt and Sheila Cowley, and if you're enjoying this program, we hope you'll take a moment to give us a review. It's easy to subscribe to on your favorite podcast service. You can find more conversations with visual, literary, and performing artists and in-depth arts journalism at creativepinellas.org. Thank you for listening.